0: You're listening to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast. This podcast gives you a range of tips and tools to kickstart your career in dietetics. We delve into the experiences of student dietitians and hear from the most influential and successful dietitians in the profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to the first episode of the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast. I'm your host Kate Agnew and I'm a student dietitian at the University of Queensland. Today we've got Dr. Katrina Campbell on the show. Katrina is an advanced accredited practicing dietitian and associate professor within the new nutrition and dietetics program at Bond University. Katrina's research areas of expertise include clinical nutrition, particularly investigating the effectiveness of lifestyle interventions targeting cardiovascular and chronic kidney disease, metabolism, drivers of nutritional status, and nutrition assessment. So today, Katrina is on the show to talk to us about her career so far, and also provide some really great advice on how we can get our careers going. Welcome to the show, Katrina. Oh, hello, Kate. It's wonderful to have you on the show, and I'm just itching to ask you a whole bunch of questions. So thanks so much for being with us. So I often like to ask guests what motivated them to pursue a career in dietetics. So to kick us off, could you share your reason behind choosing dietetics? Okay.
1: Uh- It's a really great question and I really hope that I was able to give you a response which is quite unique, but I suspect it's not. So I think it's a bit the same old story, loving science and loving food, um, really enjoying science at high school and identifying that there's actually a career in doing that when you combine it with food. So um, I think I did a placement um, when I was at high school at Nutrition Australia and I was so inspired by the people who work there. Um, You know, working on a shoestring budget yet trying to promote food and nutrition in so many different populations. I thought, you know what, this career could take you in so many different um, avenues. That's definitely what I want to do. So it was a pretty easy choice for me.
0: That combination does actually come up a lot. Um, But that's amazing that you were able to do placement um, in school because I think that really does open your eyes to what things are like in the real world.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I certainly didn't really get another touch of that until close to finishing the degree. So it was needing to happen, I think, to have an early taste to know what actually a dietitian could do or or did in regular day's practice.
0: Definitely. So with that, could you give us a quick snapshot of your career path so far? Yeah, so I
1: went through um, and did my dietetics training in a QUT, so um, undergraduate degree, and through that I was taught by the very inspirational Sandra Capra, who really did provide a great inspiration for the future of dietetics. I must say I was set up with this landscape of what dietetics would be like when I graduated, and I didn't actually feel that that was so much the reality. Um, I was really lucky to have some great placements, and one of which was at Royal Brisbane, and at that time they'd just undergoing quite a lot of change and Julie Holcomb was the um, director uh, and I was so lucky that she identified me as you know a student who had a lot of potential and she kind of took me under her wing and, and got me to do a, a further research project there even whilst I was still at uni. Um, I definitely didn't think a career in research was for me even after doing a research project. She encouraged me that it could be for me even though her herself doesn't have a research background but I um, what I did is actually was offered a sort of a quick um, PhD option as soon as I finished uh, dietetics. I thought absolutely not. I don't want to do research. That's for somebody else, a lot smarter than me. So I'll go and do a new graduate position. Um, I was able to start working on the wards, and and not long after doing so, really felt itching to do more, and that's where a PhD came. So. I was able to stay in the clinical setting at Royal Brisbane Hospital and, um, and do a PhD through QUT um, and really par the path away, away for myself through um, real nutrition which had some really great inspiring people working in it um, but certainly the research side of it needed um, to be lifted and, and I worked, I'm still, I've got a career worth of work ahead of me to do so. So um, my career so far has taken me overseas. I worked as a lecturer and researcher in King's College London um, after completing my um, PhD. Came back to um, Brisbane and worked at PA with the um, fabulous Marie Ferguson when she was director there um, uh, in a sort of, I guess, more of a postdoc kind of research fellow position and now kind of going full back full circle to the university setting at Bond University and still working also in the clinical setting at PA. So I feel very fortunate to through that pathway to have worked um, mostly in clinical and academic settings both at the same time in most settings I've been in so never once have I tried to nail myself into one um, organization which probably isn't the frustration of most um, employers but I like to be diverse and Fortunately, dietetics can do that for me.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Katrina. It's quite interesting that you originally thought research wasn't really for you, yet you've ended up being a pioneer in that renal nutrition areas. So, Katrina, did you receive any really fantastic advice during any part of your career that has stuck with you? Um,
1: I suppose the one thing that stuck with me is not something I really expected to. I was. I must have been the start of my PhD and I decided to uh, – I was talking to one of the lecturers at QUT and she said, you know what, Katrina, doing a PhD is – 10% knowledge. You don't have to be the smartest person, but it's 90% tenacity you know, or willingness to put in the hard yards and get through. And i that stuck with me 100%, not just about doing a PhD, but I think that applies across all working life. Um, I don't think it's about the smarts. Um, fortunately for me, it's not. It's more about you know, getting in, getting the work done and really having passion for what you do. Uh, so that's really, I think, the best advice I've had. Certainly, it's been helpful to have people tell me that doing research is um, something that opens doors rather than closes them, which I had originally thought um, may have been the case. So there's been lots of great advice, but I'd say definitely the tenacity call for me has been the best.
0: Excellent advice. Thank you for sharing that, Katrina. So throughout your career journey, were there any sliding door moments in there?
1: I don't really think so. Um, In terms of pinpointing one is really difficult. I almost think that every decision I've made and every sort of change that's happened has really been a series of them that sometimes I look back and go, oh, you know what, if I was to write all this down, it will appear really strategic. It would appear like I've actually had a plan in mind and done everything I've done for a certain you know outcome, but honestly, it's literally a result of grabbing every opportunity. So sliding door moments are happening all the time, even even daily for me. I think, um, and it's just a matter of taking in those opportunities when they present themselves and and putting a risk. You know, not, not everything to, works out, but um, if you've got your heart in the right place, I think that it certainly does um, give you, a, a, you know, a really important trajectory by taking every opportunity, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Great point. So what do you most enjoy about your current role or find most rewarding?
1: Um, I think my, my current role allows me to do something different every day, which is really the most important point for me. Um, uh, I'd say working, certainly working in the um, Master's um, Nutrition and Dietetic Practice at Bond is really gives me a really genuine opportunity to train the future dietitians in the way that I would like to be trained or hear from industry as to what they want sort of dietitians to be trained like. So I think that's what really the most rewarding um, to actually be able to enable in practice and change what we do, um, you know, quite dynamically based on feedback both from students and from um, their future employers as to what kind of, work we set the students up for. So that's probably the most rewarding, I have to say.
0: That's great. And um, it sounds like the students are in really good hands. So I was going to ask what a typical day looks like for you, but um, I'm wondering whether there is such thing as a typical day in your schedule.
1: Yeah, there's not really. And I think um, I've always and recently discovered myself that my personality traits thrive on uncertainty which might sound a bit weird for someone who likes to do research but i think that's actually a benefit because it means that i'm okay with when things don't work out but so generally thrive on uncertainty so it really does help that each day is different but the one thing i'd say that's consistent each day is that i certainly start early so and five five thirty in the morning. We'll will start my day. Get up before the rest of my family, and either do a workout or or get ready to be prepared for a long commute between Brisbane and the Gold Coast to go work um, at Bond. And then the days typically it could be either teaching or meetings with students. Today, as an example, I'm you know I met with some industry partners for some research this morning, and this afternoon I'll be. Um, at two different hospitals talking about different research project plannings and uh, doing a teleconference with a collaborator in Sydney. So it's kind of a, because teaching's now over, I put all my grades in yesterday, so it's now back onto research mode. So that's kind of like a nice dynamic um, uh I guess, schedule for me and that's what I like to work with.
0: Yeah, Katrina, the ability to thrive on uncertainty sounds like a pretty good trait to have, I suppose, because you're, I mean, able to perform in environments that you can't necessarily predict and also I suppose, to adapt to change. Yeah, Yes, it's good and bad.
1: It's not so good having a toddler and trying to th- thrive on uncertainty. Or well, maybe it is, but you know, there's some level of routine that has to happen in our household. So <laughs> I do have to be pulled back sometimes.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, yep, fair point. So what are some of the challenges you have been faced with throughout your career and how were you able to overcome them? Um. I'd say it
1: probably sounds a little bit um, silly but I think probably parenting or having a child has been my biggest challenge and I don't mean that in a really a negative way at all. It's the, been the biggest blessing in my life and my career to date because it's enabled me to focus in on really what I want um, but certainly to uh, still keep a trajectory of a career that I'm satisfied with and keeps me thinking and, and keeps me motivated. Um but also having uh, ensuring that I have a really positive family life as well. So I'd say that it's not necessarily career block that happened. It's certainly an opportunity, but it's it's navigating my way through um, parenting and working, um, which has been challenging and it continues to be. But certainly it's a great challenge to have. Um, uh, I guess another side of it, from a purely career perspective, is certainly working in research and funding is a, a consistent challenge I've been lucky to always have I suppose a tenured position wherever I've been um, and haven't had to rely on funding research funding for my salary but certainly having to adapt my research projects to based on what may get funded um, has been a challenge to overcome because I still purely believe in a lot of the principles around improving evidence for dietetic practice which is what got me into research in the first place but that doesn't necessarily seem particularly sexy in funders' eyes, so we need to work on a way to work around the funding to still improve practice for dietitians and improve evidence for dietitians but also meet the needs of funding. So I suppose that from a pure career perspective is a challenge.
0: Yeah, I have heard that funding debate come up every now and then just talking to other researchers, so... That's interesting. Um, I think it's pretty amazing that you're able to juggle your family life as well as such an amazing career with lots of proud achievements. I suppose um, as a student dietitian, such small things can sometimes seem like such massive boulders. So, I mean, I suppose it does come down to your resilience and ability to overcome such challenges. Yeah
1: and on that point I think it's your ability to innovate in whatever you're doing so if it's looking for jobs or working within a number of different part-time positions which maybe a lot of new grads would need to do at this stage um, it's innovating within those or within the scope of what you can do to improve I guess, how you overcome the challenge of not having enough work or um, whatever that might be. And, and in my case, it's really innovating. The way I do my business is different to what it was before I had a family. It just had to be the, that way, but I haven't had to compromise productivity um, so much and still be able to, I guess, have a positive family life as well. So I think it's just that way of thinking differently and doing innovation but just not in the typical way that you think of innovation I suppose.
0: Yeah definitely and I have actually heard that um, going to university teaches you how to think as opposed to what to think That's and right. that kind of starts you off with those tools So you mentioned Dr. Marie Ferguson and Professor Sandra Capra earlier, but I'm just wondering if you had any other additional mentors that helped you out along the way. Um,
1: I suppose I have. Certainly in dietetics it's really a lot of, people who I've worked directly with I would see um, in the past I'd see as continual mentors even if I change workplace. So um, you know where I'm working at the moment uh, Professor Liz Eisenring has certainly been a mentor for me in different places that I've worked at and luckily I now get to work for her or with her. Um, Certainly Professor Lynn Daniels at QUT has been a really strong mentor for me whether she knows it or not. So the thing with mentors is you don't actually tell them that you're, you're their mentor because I think that makes it uncomfortable for them. So you just catch up with them occasionally, run some ideas past, and that works well. But in my – I've never actually said to someone, do you know you're my mentor? Because that would be uncomfortable for everyone, I think. Um, In terms of – I also have mentors outside of dietetics, um, particularly within the medical field. So working with, collaborating with, and then having a sort of – external to work relationship around career goals and plannings and that sort of thing. So I've got a number of those um, internationally even, which is really helpful for me to then not just be insular and think about what's relevant for Australian dietetics, um, but also for healthcare and nutrition at a broader scale. Um, And then even, this might sound a bit lame but even my husband's quite a good mentor for me um uh, particularly when we look at you know our co-parenting relationship but also looking at um you know from a business aspect he runs his own business and we talk about um you know challenges and solutions to all a lot of our problems and working through mentoring together so I suppose as lame as that is um I think that he's certainly one that I could put down as a mentor for myself for my career <laughs>
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've taken advantage of the opportunities to learn from lots of different people with all different perspectives. So Katrina, I understand that you supervise PhD and MPhil students. So I'm just wondering how you encourage them to attain excellence in their work.
1: Uh, I don't think I need to encourage them very much. They've come in and made a life choice to, um, to take on a higher research degree, which is a huge undertaking. I suppose what I feel is that I contribute is I treat it extraordinarily seriously. I think, you know, this is something that is going to be or certainly has been to date the biggest thing they will have done most of the time and maybe one of the biggest things I'll ever do in a lifetime is commit to a body of work to study on that for a number of years generally without a lot of pay and make a lot of sacrifices. So I think the best thing to do in the situation as a supervisor is to actually acknowledge those sacrifices and to ensure that you help to build their career path, not just support their research, which is absolutely important to be there for that, but to see them as a whole person, to see them as a um, professional building a career. And so with that in mind, I've certainly, I view my students as colleagues and um a try and support them through building their own careers um and and you know professional development and that sort of thing so um i've had a great run with students i have to say Um, i'm not sure what um if that was just going to happen regardless of who supervised them but certainly i would like to take some credit for helping to support and build them as professionals um, and yeah, fantastic. And you get you reap what you sow, so you get the rewards. So I've had some fantastic outcomes from my students. And I think it's putting that concentrated effort in, which the only way I can do that is actually to not take on too many. So I don't take on too many students at once. I kind of cap it at a certain number. And fortunately, I mean, so far I've only ever uh, supervised dietitians, but I'm hoping to expand um, to different professions. But of course, within my cap of of time that I have available to spend with them.
0: So Katrina, what do you think are the opportunities for dietitians in the next decade?
1: Look, I'd love to be able to answer that question. I, I don't entirely know that we we know what it's going to look like in terms of the emerging careers for dietitians. I think um, broadening our base of, of workplace um, and also being really strategic about I mean, nutrition and uh, supporting um you know, positive food uh, relationships and um, it, you know, working in with different uh, food service arrangements, that sort of thing, is only ever going to expand. So opportunities won't go down. It's about how we actually harness those opportunities. And I think particularly from a clinical side of things, which is obviously more so what I understand, Um, which is what I was told when I was a new, um, a student that dietitians will become consultants within the next five to 10 years. And we're not there yet. (laughs) Um. And I think we need to let go of a lot of the busy work we do, um, be happy with delegating um, busy work to less skilled, potentially, professionals, and then working up to our full scope of practice. So in whatever that is, it doesn't need to be necessarily clinical, but across across all of the domains of practice to really specialise, be strategic, have a consultant view on really capitalising on the diverse training that we've had um, in the areas we work in. So sorry I'm not being very specific. I hate not being specific, but I think um, we need to ensure that our profession stays relevant and important and embedded in lots of different areas. And in order to do that, we need to keep our thinking upward and outward Um, and not at the nitty-gritty stuff that I believe could potentially be done under supervision of a dietitian by a lot of, I guess, even it could be degree-skilled or or certificate-level or diploma-level, but certainly we can look at ways we can harness the, I suppose, skills of dietitians in a more strategic way, I think.
0: That's a great point, Katrina. And obviously research is what allows us to keep our thinking going. So, and I know you really have a passion for improving efficiency in dietetics practice through the translation of evidence into practice.
1: Absolutely. And of course, and within that, evidence-based practices doesn't even need to be said in my mind. We need, we uh, have already taken a commitment to operate at that. However, we do need to take the commitment to generate more because we are really, working on a very limited evidence base across the board in what we do. Um, and that doesn't have to be just in clinical practice. That's really in a lot of things, food service, etc. So we can, yeah, if we can delegate, have more time and more strategy in what dietitians do as work, Um then fulfil what we do with the evidence is certainly important for the future to um, ensure our profession stays strong.
0: Yeah, excellent point coming from a dietetic leader such as yourself, Katrina, because obviously your background includes clinical nutrition as well as research, so it's nice to tie both aspects in. So do you have any advice that you could give to either new grads, student dietitians or those wanting to further their career um, for what they can do to stand out from the crowd?
1: So, um, yeah, I suppose I believe everyone has – no matter where they are, whether they're looking for work or working in a workplace of part-time that's not dietetics related or even in in some part-time work within dietetics, trying to get a a larger skill set or even wanting to change areas in dietetics. Um, It's really around the potential to show initiative and innovation. So initiative is in you make what you can with what you've got Um, And I think certainly sitting on interview panels, if I see that somebody's been able to do that, no matter what the interview is for, whether it's new graduate or high-level positions, um, that's what really stands out to me because it says that this individual can actually make of a situation improve it in such a way that actually improves the efficiencies or actually gives them more skill set, I think demonstrating initiative is absolutely critical. And one area that we don't really talk about much in dietetics is losing our profession. So there's a quite well-known phenomenon, five to 10 years where, and maybe this is a cycle in every profession, but it's a shame for dietitians to move out of dietetics and not take dietetics with them wherever they go. So I think it's being able to innovate and show initiative and do things say if you haven't done research before or quality improvement or something like that doing that and building in different skills that you wouldn't usually do um but then create new opportunities for perhaps future work or changing a workplace uh, or a career path but then gives you a higher level type position so i'd Definitely use the term initiative if I'm thinking about standing out from the crowd. Yeah. The other part would be ensure that you're supported by quality people, so whether that's mentors, other other um, students that you've gone through with or um, people you work with, having the support and people to talk to. Um, seek them out if you can because that will help, I believe, ensure that what you're doing has got integrity and initiative because you, they don't necessarily both come together um, but you've definitely got to have both. <laughs>
0: Excellent point, Katrina, and we actually hope that this podcast gives our listeners some guidance and direction in finding people to support them, um, particularly due to having guests on the show such as yourself. So thanks for that. So for all of our listeners, we'll have the link to Katrina's ResearchGate profile available on our show notes. And that's available at dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And Katrina, it's been a brilliant episode. So I'd just like to say thank you so much for being with us today. No problem, Kate. Thanks for having me. Also, a big thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, could you please leave a review for us as well as pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends? Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast so that you can automatically download and listen to the new episode each week. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time for another fantastic episode of the Dietitian Connection Student Podcast.